Hello and welcome to episode number five of News of the Nerd, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy. I am Ben and I am here with my brother slash co-host Jason. Hello. Trumpets a do. Trumpets a what? A do. A do? A do. Okay. Because the trumpets are did. Did they? They did. <laughs> Great. Start, we started off strong. We are start, starting off strong. So, obviously, today's episode is kind of a special. I would say it's a special. You said last week's episode was a special. It was a special. This okay. episode is also special because it is Halloween. We are filming this on Halloween. Yeah, today. We are filming this today. I'm releasing it today. Wink, wink. Um, so, this is our Halloween special. How are we today, Jason? I'm not bad. I'm feeling very spooky. Very spooky. That is <laughs> that is a good feeling. I am feeling very pumpkin spice latte. I recently found out something about pump, pumpkin spice that blew my mind. Go on. I like it. There's no pumpkin in it. It's not It's not meant to taste like pumpkin. <laughs> it's spice it's, for pumpkin. It, yeah, it's not meant to be spice that tastes like pumpkin. It's meant to be spice. It's like the spice mix that goes in pumpkin pie. Yeah. But I don't know because I don't I don't drink coffee and pumpkin spice is always on coffee so I don't I don't know what pumpkin spice tastes like I assumed it tasted like pumpkin but apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, do you know most people that do drink pumpkin spice lattes think that's what pumpkins taste like? Okay. Most most people for think it's meant to flavour it like pumpkin. Most people, you're not alone. Like I've said to people before when giving them a coffee order and they've been like, oh, pumpkin in a coffee. You sidetracked us again. Again, we pumpkin spice latte conspiracies. Um, maybe the It's pumpkin... not a conspiracy, it's just a fact. Maybe maybe the pumpkin's a scroll. And that's what Cinderella was about. No, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, no, you're right. Cinderella with the pumpkin carriage. Yeah. Can scrolls turn into carriages or vegetable? <laughs> We're asking important questions here today. Can scrolls turn into vegetables? Anyway, we digress. So, obviously, it's Halloween special. So, shall we start off, as always, and see about the news? What news do you have for us today? Oh, shall I go first? So, the biggest piece of news, in my opinion... Um, is that basically, apparently, Doctor Who is moving to Disney Plus in 2023. It Um, is, but only outside the UK. Okay. Yeah, so so I have read this. It's an international, uh, new international agreement. Doctor Who will remain on the BBC in the UK. It will be on Disney Plus everywhere else. Um, it also seems like so some places are reporting that it's not just a distribution deal that Disney will actually have some, uh, you know, f- provide some financial backing for Doctor Who. So I wonder if that means it's going to get a bit more high budget. I hope it doesn't, you know, lose it. its. I hope it doesn't lose its essential Britishness. Yeah. Yeah. But one no. thing we've got left, God damn it, <laughs> is our independence. Oh wait, no, that's them. Our doctor. Our doctor. 
Um, I am on season 12 of that, so I am catching up slowly and steadily. Yeah, well, hurry up, because uh, we do need to talk about The Power of the Doctor, the uh, recent uh, the recent special to celebrate 100 years of the BBC. I know, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Um, so, the other news I've got, um, it's a bit of nerdy news for the gentleman that likes his <laughs> sexy fragrance. Um, is a Batman vengeance fragrance will make you smell slightly unhinged is the headline. But yes, they are bringing out an official Batman fragrance line. Um, and that also includes a bow tie and a candle. And I just thought it was quite kind of funny. That's one of these things that you get. $177, by yeah. the way. Before you said the price, I was about to say this is one of those things to take advantage of nerds with too much money. Like that Superman hat that came out a while back. That was that was so ridiculous. Like it was an ugly, ugly hat and it cost so much money. So that's not the most shocking part. So that's the uh, vengeance smell is 177. Okay. You've then got the hero scent which sells for $395 because it has over 100 Swarovski crystals on the bottle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's a bottle you can use and then wear as a necklace. But no, t- talking about the Superman, just Google Superman hat Fandome as it was released for the 2021 Fandome. It was $750 and it is the ugliest hat I have ever seen. Oh my god, it's a fedora. Yeah, bright blue fedora. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing someone walking down the street wearing that? I imagine Stanley wearing that and looking good. No, I feel like Sta- I feel like Stanley is the only man that could pull that off. I know it's DC. And I know it's Stanley's Marvel, which is why it's funny. Stanley had better style sense of that. Ugly, ugly hat. But, you know, the ba- the Batman fragrance I would lump into the same category as this Superman hat in that it is ridiculously expensive and it's taking advantage of the, 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 the more... You know, nerdum is more marketable now. It isn't just teenagers reading comic books that are interested in this stuff and that's what it's taken advantage of isn't it it's for people that have got too much money that are now it is now acceptable for them to be into this kind of thing where before it wasn't yeah it is but there is still and i think for a long time even though it's now more marketable it was still marketed but the people buying it was the billionaire tech gurus that are loving marvel and dc and buying all collectibles do you know what i mean all streamers that are making loads of money and want collectibles and things like that i think that's who it was aimed at but now streamers weren't a thing you know what i mean though streamers now yeah stream streamers now but it is more marketable now when you're saying like when it wasn't was like the 90s and um, that was the rich billionaires that there were no streamers the other thing with the Batman uh, Vengeance pack, you can buy... Oh, God, there's more. There is. The price has gone up even more. So for $100,000, you can own a Batman Cross Studio watch. And let me tell you something. So I'm not going to be buying it anytime soon because, you know, 
um, 100,000. But it looks absolutely gorgeous. I would wear this watch. Cross Studio. So that's cross with a K, isn't it? It is. It's a bat signal watch holder. Okay. Yeah. I mean, listeners, you've just got to Google this. Cross Studio, cross with a K, Batman watch. This looks like a fucking child's watch, and it's $100,000. Does it not look quite cool, to be fair? I mean, I wouldn't wear it. But the like, bat I, signal yeah. in the middle. Yeah, it does have a bat signal in the middle. But I would think if I wore that, I would look childish. And this is coming from somebody who wears superhero T-shirts to his office job. I would not wear that <laughs> for fear of looking childish. Hi, I'm Jason. I wear superhero T-shirts to my office job. Yeah, that's my Tinder profile. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Why does your Tinder profile say, Hi, I'm Jason? <laughs> Are you catfishing as me? <laughs> You don't understand why you've been getting all those letters. Uh, But I'd wear it if it was affordable. Anyway, moving on from the Batman, because we could talk about the extravagance of how much that is actually costing. Um, The other piece of news I've got, I'm doing this in a really weird order, by the way, but Space Mountain um, is now a board game. What? What's Space Mountain the ride? Yeah. Um, so Space Mountain, the ride, I believe Disney did do a Space Mountain short a while back, um, but they have made it into a board game because board games are still marketable, it would seem. Board games are more marketable now than they have been for a long time. I mean, the ones that I do look at and think, oh, I like the Game of Thrones monopolies and the Lord of the Ring monopolies and things like that. You just like the, the variants of Monopoly. <laughs> I just like Monopoly, okay? And if you can make Monopoly a different game but the same game, I'm down. Yeah, I've got Walking Dead Monopoly. That's great. I want to play that with you. Let's put 12 hours aside one day. Part of the fun of Monopoly is that you do have to fall out with everyone, so it will be the end of the podcast. I will quit dramatically and flounce out of the room. Flounce? Yeah. I was going to say something, but then the flounce hit me. Um, flouncing, flouncing is a powerful, powerful move. <laughs> You've got to I... learn to be able to flounce out of a room to make a point, Ben. I'm trying. <laughs> um, we can do it for our final episode ever. <laughs> Not play Monopoly? Yeah. That'll make a thrilling podcast. <laughs> like, this is a special episode again. Um, so, that, I just thought it were interesting that Disney are going into uh, bringing out a new board game. Um, this one you may know is that The Good Places, William Jackson Harper joins the cast of Ant-Man Quantumania. Um, I don't know if okay. you've seen The Good Place. It's I really, love The Good Place. I love The Good Place. Uh, do you know who it is? No. It is is sounds like you don't either it's cheedy um so okay does it do we know who he's playing just that he's going to be in quantumania okay so he hasn't been given a title yet he's been announced that he's joining so while we're on that what do you think of the ant-man trailer i mean i think it looks great like in terms of scale ant-man you know forgive the pun but has never been the biggest of the marvel heroes but um, 
yeah, like it wasn't even intended. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like the films have all been fairly, fairly low stakes compared to what the other Marvel uh, standalone superhero films tend to be. Um, and this looks, it gives me big Thor Ragnarok vibes. You know, when they first get to uh, Sakaar. Yeah. When Thor first lands on Sakaar and all like everyone comes out and tries to take it, like when they first get to the quantum realm there, and you see all these like different creatures and things come out and we're pointing weapons at them, it gives me the it gives me similar vibes. Yeah, um, I think in my opinion, it's a perfect trailer. Every, like everything about it, from like the the music choice, because it is a song that builds and builds and builds as it goes on. I like the start, the intro, how it started, like just this comically standard comic comedy film. And then obviously the by Spider-Man. Yeah. And then at the end, obviously he he ends it on Ant-Man. And I like it's a very good opposites. Do you know what I mean? It's balanced, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, because the comedy is what you expect from, from an Ant-Man film. And it gets quite a lot more serious as as soon as um as soon as Janet Van Dyne starts to freak out they're sending a signal down to the quantum realm i feel like from then on it becomes a much more serious trailer i don't know if that's going to be you know the vibe of the film i would imagine it would still be quite comedic uh but maybe not as much as the others which i think would be a shame and man i think has always done comedy quite well when I think of, of Ant-Man 1, I think of the giant Thomas the Tank Engine, which was a brilliant moment. The Tank Engine was, was great. They might, it, we might have more of that in the quantum realm. You never know. Anything can happen. It seems so obvious now, but I did not expect this film to mostly take place in the quantum realm, which is, like, it seems so obvious with the name Quantumania. I yeah. just thought, you know, quantum shenanigans will be happening. But it looks to me, from this, this trailer, that very early on in the film they're going to be sucked into the quantum realm and then they're going to be there for the majority. Yeah, I'm loving uh, Catherine Newton as Cassie. I think that's a good choice. Um, have you seen her in anything? I don't know what she's been in. She's been in Freaky. No. Where the girls switch bodies with a serial killer. No, not seen that. Now, um, she was in P- Pokemon Pikachu Detective. Oh, yeah, I've um, seen that, yeah. Try that Try that again, try that again. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that were good. Um, she were that in... were good. Like, why have they not done more live-action Pokemon stuff? That that were really great. That, <laughs> it was great. Um, and then she was in Big Little Lies. Uh, yeah, I've not seen Reese that either. With Spoon in. Um, so she's... Fairly young, I think she's like twenty or something. So, and she's not been in too many movies yet. But from what I've seen her in, she's very good. Like she was really good in that freaky. And it's good. good Marvel have recast the role for this film. She she didn't play again Cassie in Endgame. So you know they have probably got big plans for her uh, going forward. You know, she's going to turn up in in the Young Avengers. Surely, that hasn't been that film hasn't been announced yet. If it's a film or a series or whatever, that there is going to be a Young Avengers team in some Marvel project. There's got to be, aren't there? Iron with Hulk, how many they're introducing, Marvel, yeah. 
it's the, like it's obvious that's the plans. But as we said, we've got space in between those movies. Yeah, that they might add it in, and they may appear in. Uh, what's the last one they've got planned? Uh, Secret Wars. Yeah, so they may be in there. Yeah. Um, as a team, which would be great. Like if we got the new Avengers, we got um, Young Avengers, and then we've got thunderbolts yeah. and everyone so, and, like it'd be really cool but you, you, you don't like want to dilute battle. you don't want to dilute the the avengers name too much because i think that's part of why they've gone with um thunderbolts rather than dark avengers yeah so i don't know i don't know if there will be a young avengers film but maybe there will be a young avengers team in kang dynasty or something like that yeah i'd be i'd be happy to see it um, Jonathan Majors in this trailer seems to be a much more serious version of Kang than what we saw in Loki. Yeah, I liked the Loki version though. I did like it, and I liked the the distantness of him. Do you know what I mean? He, even though he was having this conversation with them, he sounded very distant. And when he came back, he like little sarcasms and quips and riddles here and there. I liked it. Yeah, I don't know if that. I feel like that kind of uh i don't know what's the word quirkiness would get annoying quick i'm i'm glad they're going for a more serious more menacing version of the character and of course there's room for more different versions of that character as well what do you think's going to happen there is ant-man and crew are they going to have to help kang to escape the quantum realm maybe are we sure that's what he needs help with? Because Kang's very pas- powerful. Yeah, I'm Co- just... Cos- cosmic, he-, he could just probably nip into quantum realm like I that. I think maybe he's been trapped there by someone because he's too powerful. Doctor Doom. Maybe. I, d- or... I don't think Doctor Doom knows. What's, what's... I-, I-, I think, you know, more likely... You know, somebody. You you always want Doctor Doom to uh, to come in. No, I I think it's more likely to be somebody more uh, eternal, maybe an eternal. Uh, but you know, so somebody not 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 somebody human. I don't think it's going to be. You know, he's been trapped in there in the last fifty years. I think it's he's been trapped in there for thousands of years to protect the world from him. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong there. What about the flying head person? The flying head person? Yeah, is it Modak? Oh, yeah. So he was meant to be in that trailer, wasn't he? Like, he was... If this is the same trailer, I was assuming this was going to be the same trailer that they showed at Comic-Con. And so I was looking for Modok, but I didn't spot him. Maybe Kang needs help with Modok. Did you spot Modok in there anywhere? I don't think I did. No, I, I don't think he's in this trailer. Um, I'll have to watch one of those trailer breakdown YouTube videos later and uh, because there will be all sorts of details that I've missed. Boy, it'd be cool to see Modok and how they do Modok. Have you got anything else TV related? Anything like that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've got quite a big one that I was expecting you to mention. Because when I saw this news, I thought of you. Go on. So you remember last episode when we were yeah. talking about Henry Cavill returning as Superman? So we were both saying we would we would like to see him return as Superman uh, and play a more hopeful version of the character. 
And I said to you, if you could choose, would you have more Henry Cavill Superman or would you like him to continue as The Witcher if he could only do one? And you said The Witcher all the way. Yep. All the way, and it's obvious that he's chosen differently. Unlucky Ben. Because for season four of The Witcher, Liam Hemsworth will be replacing Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia. I'm absolutely fuming about it. Not going to lie. Not happy. Not happy at all. Um, I know that at least we're getting a season three. I know that was happening anyway. But I mean, it is. That's not going to be enough. It is good news that season four of The Witcher is definitely happening, even if it's not going to be Henry Cavill in the lead role. Yeah, because it's a great franchise. Um, What do you think? Do you have any opinions on Liam Hemsworth? I've liked him not as a main character. So, do you know, like in the Hunger Games, he's Katniss's cousin slash boyfriend. What? She's his cousin? Yeah, the cousins. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that, a, is yeah. that left out of the it's film? In the, it's, in, it's in the books. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't know that. I mean, personally, I think well, he's... Go- I'm not, he's not a bad actor or anything like that. I do like him, but I just can't envision him. I think he's the most annoying of the Hemsworths. Yes, Absolutely. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I will reserve judgment until I see series four of The Witcher, which is obviously years away yet. Yeah, so the Witcher season three is meant to be coming out next year. I think so. Yes. So then, series four might not be till twenty twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. So we knew that this was a possibility that he would have to give up the role if he was going to be playing Superman again. And so I have seen that Henry Cavill has has said in an interview... Who was interviewing him? Josh Horowitz for the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. Interviewed Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill said, The character means so much to me. It's been five years now. I never gave up hope. It's amazing to be here now talking about it again. There is such a bright future ahead for the character. I'm so excited to tell a story with an enormously joyful Superman. And that does sound brilliant. That is the kind of Superman that I want. And to, from the sounds of it, I think it's the kind of Superman that Henry Cavill has always wished he could play. He's just not really been given that opportunity. It does... When it when he puts it like that, it does sound it, like it, it, it does how sa- Superman should it be. It does sound like he's throwing a bit of shade at Zack Snyder's interpretation of the character to me. Like I could be wrong. That could be my own personal opinions. If um, if he's watching, Wait, who Zack Snyder? No, Henry Cavill. <laughs> Henry Cavill. If Henry Cavill is listening to this podcast, please confirm yes or no. Was that shade at Zack Snyder? I mean, what do you mean if he's listening? Of course he's listening. Obviously, but I just mean if he's like... He might have had a busy day. Yeah. And might not get time. True. He might get his assistant to listen to it and just give him the good bits. True. Those weights aren't going to lift themselves. I mean, the man's already ripped. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta you got to keep that up, haven't you? You can't, you can't get complacent. Like I, I heard a story of um of Dwayne Johnson who's going to Australia for a press tour, and you'd think he'd just have a couple of weeks away from the gym, but no. Apparently, while he was in Australia, his people had to ring the local gym 
before he went, just to make sure that they had weights heavy enough for him. That's ridiculous. That is crazy, isn't it? Like, have you not got... the Lift a machine! Have you not seen that video where Eddie Hall, World's Strongest Man, where he puts all... Do you know on the resistance um, squat? Yeah. That basically, he was on that, and someone filming him saying, like, I'm disappointed you using resistance one. Puts all weights on, locks it, and lifts the whole machine with the weights. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Maybe that was Dwayne Johnson in Australia lifting, like, the whole machine. Maybe. Just like, more weights! I'm sure he could. I mean, it seems crazy to me that Dwayne Johnson like seems more muscular now than he did when he was a professional wrestler. God, yeah. Like now he's just like absolutely massive, but he does look like he's got more muscle than when he was doing WWE. Yeah. He's got those fucking neck muscles. Why does anyone need a strong neck? <laughs> Maybe you want to open a jar, but you've got wet hands. So you jam it in your neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the other two bits of news I've got is just the... Uh, another three pieces, sorry. One's, uh, two are just quick science ones, so we'll go with them and then we'll go with uh, one that I like. Well, uh, wait, uh, what, have you got more, like... I've got more TV news, one thing, and I, f- I did forget to mention it. Um, so, the Simpsons have gone full anime for a Death Note parody for their annual Treehouse of Horror. Oh, I saw that. So they've gone full anime and it looks insane. They posted a clip on Twitter, an account called Out of Context Simpsons Treehouse of Horror uh, posted it. But it actually looks like a really good animation. Like, I feel like if they get such a good backlash to this because of the animation quality, the Simpsons and Matt Groening go into doing an anime. It would not surprise me. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they'll do a full Simpsons anime, but yeah, as a as a treehouse of horror thing, they quite often experiment with different. I don't even mean Simpsons anime; just they may start doing some anime productions. Oh, okay. Because of the qu- the quality of this anime, just looks incredible. I bet they've teamed with a a proper anime studio. I can't see any mention of a studio that they've tagged with i think the animators at the simpsons probably can do it just fine do you know what i mean like because the simpsons will have some of the top animators because it's been going for so long i don't know we'll see but i'm excited to watch it i thought it's quite good halloween news i guess this uh, this halloween special will either be out already or be airing soon yeah um, and then I've just got a little bit of space news because I like a little bit of space, unless you've got anything more. Well, yeah, I think we should talk about um, appointed as the new heads of the DC DC film, TV and animation divisions are Suicide Squad director James Gunn and producer Pete Safran, which is big news. Interesting. So DC have been looking for... Basically, they're Kevin Feige for a long time. They've been looking for somebody who's going to take the reins of their films and make sure it all fits together, make sure it all makes sense together, and just be rather than rather than all these films be be run separately and managed separately. Someone just to make sure that they are being cohesive, and it looks like they've finally got that person. And well, it's two people. 
Uh, so James Gunn, James Gunn, director of Guardians of the, all three of the Guardians of the Galaxy films, including the one that hasn't come out yet. But now I'm excited about that. That I like him as a director. Also the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which we got a trailer for this week. Um, he uh, directed The Suicide Squad for DC. And he is the uh, creator of the Peacemaker TV show, which is a great TV show. So with him being one of the people, one of the people running the show over at DC, it could give it a very different tone to what we've seen yeah. so far. It needs to it needs to not try and be Marvel and do its own thing. Have yeah, not be afraid to have its own style. And, you know, maybe maybe leaning more into doing doing standalone films is the way to go. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It could it could be great, but it could also standalone films could be even better than making them all link. Yeah, because it does it it does feel like that that kind of storytelling now with all the films tying into one another is very much a Marvel thing. And if you try and compete with Marvel at that, you're probably going to lose. So instead yeah, of doing definitely. that, just you can kind of have the approach that you know th- these things all are taking place in the same universe, but actually it doesn't matter, and they're not really going to reference each other unless we do a team up movie. I think that's probably yeah. the better way to go. And then things, you know, get less messy. So also alongside James Gunn is uh, producer Peter Safran. Peter Safran was the producer of, of The Suicide Squad, also of Shazam, Aquaman. He's the producer of, uh, of Fury of the Gods. Uh, that's Shazam 2. So he's got a uh, quite a long history with DC. Oh, it, DC. and he was an executive DC. producer on uh, the Peacemaker series. So it looks like, you know, him and James Gunn have worked together quite closely as well. So the better of the DC, the better of the DC movies. He has uh been. Shazam, Aquaman, The Suicide Squad, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, most of his other his other production credits seem to be for horror films. Okay, so that's what, so they're getting James Gunn for kind of the lighter side of it, and then getting him in for the yeah, dark he, side. He produced the Annabelle, comics. The Conjuring, The Nun. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, really. and in fact, I think are they, I'm not a horror fan, but I, I think, do, but do do they all tie into each other as well? I think I watched The Conjuring, and there was a, a the Annabelle doll was in that. Yeah, Annabelle's like. The- and then they did Annabelle, and then I'm sure the nun it, it ties into that. Uh, I think it. I don't. So, I, don't know if it I mean, does. maybe they've got him there because he's got experience of uh, of these films that all tie together. I'm going to look uh, on Wikipedia. The Nun is a 2018 American Gothic supernatural horror film. It is a spin-off slash prequel of 2016's The Conjuring 2, and the fifth instalment in the Conjuring universe franchise. Okay, so it is. It's scary as hell, though. It's actually got it's actually got jump scares in because I hate a horror that don't make you jump. Okay. Me. I mean, I'm not a big horror fan because I think a lot of the time they're lazy and just rely on jump scares over actually being good. Yeah, no, they have to have a few jump scares in, but actually be good. It has, it's got to be a good film. It's got to have that horror aspect of it as well. 
but I think horror does need a jump scare or two in the entire film. The scariest horror films aren't the ones that just make you jump in the moment. The scariest horror films are the ones that play on your mind after you've left the cinema. And they make you, they scare you for like two weeks. All the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, so in a statement... Uh, Gunn and Saffron said, We're honoured to be stewards of these DC characters we've loved since we were children. We look forward to collaborating with the most talented writers, directors and actors in the world to create an integrated, multi-layered universe that still allows for the individual expression of the artists involved. Our commitment to Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Harley Quinn and the rest of the DC stable of characters is only equalled by our commitment to the wonder of human possibilities these characters represent. That sounds very positive to me. So it's, they, yeah, they do want definitely. to make an integrated universe. Um, but one of, one of the criticisms of Marvel has always been that they get directors and then don't let them express their own style. They they get directors in and then just apply the Marvel formula over the top. And it sounds like these want to do the exact opposite. They want to get directors in and allow them to show off their own directorial style with the DC characters, which sounds great. A lot of people will say they're a DC fan or they're a Marvel fan and... I'm just I'm a superhero fan and if this means more good superhero films then I'm very excited for that. Yeah, no definitely and hopefully maybe bringing more DC characters yeah. in, more more superheroes than what they've already gone cuz there's so many still for DC. That they've not scratched the surface really no. have they. Um so I think it'd be good if they if they do that. Uh so and Kevin Feige was asked about this. Uh, at the Black Panther world premiere. Okay, that's a way to annoy Kevin Feige, the robot. No, no, Kevin Feige uh, seemed very happy about it. Oh, no, and like computer. I said, it's a, it's one of these misconceptions oh. that everyone at Marvel is yeah, hates DC and everyone at DC hates Marvel. They're in these businesses because they love these properties. They love superhero properties. And pitting them against each other is stupid because it is in Marvel's interest that DC make good films as well. Because if... A lot of people don't see the difference between a Marvel film and a DC film. They just see superhero films. You know, us nerds know what's what. But a lot of the general public just see superhero films. And if, you know, 50% of the superhero films that come out are complete shit it's going to put them off watching the Marvel films as well. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, definitely. If both sides are making great films, then everybody wins. Uh, anyway, Kevin Feige said um, about James Gunn's move, he said, well, he's got a lot of work to do for Marvel between now and May, which he's well aware of. But after that, I will be first in line to see anything he does. So from my perspective that does sound very shady like throwing a bit of shade there i think he's like, just saying he's not left marvel yet it's the way he says it though in in it it's like which he's well aware of <laughs> like yeah. he can't fucking leave yet but speaking of james gunn and guardians of the galaxy have you watched the trailer for the guardians of the galaxy holiday special i have not you have not 
Are you going to? I will to? not. I will not. Why? We had this holiday special conversation a few weeks ago. Well, I mean, it's still Guardians of the Galaxy. If people watch it and say it's good, I might watch it. But it's, if it's going to all be about Christmas, I'm going to be a Grinch. Of course it's all about Christmas. What do you think it's going to be about? I don't want it to not be Guardians of the Galaxy, though, and just be some shitty Christmas thing. I hate Christmas things that are done badly. It's really cringy. And we will be talking about this in great detail Well, in a month. I mean, you say you might watch it. I would say, you know, you're doing a a podcast about nerdy and superhero properties. Don't throw that in my face right now. I think you've got to watch it. I think you have an obligation to watch it. Okay, I do have an obligation to watch (laughs) it, but if I don't like it, no one can hate me for that. So, go on, you've got more news? My little bit of science news is that scientists spotted um, a burst of gamma rays with the... Not the Hubble. Sorry, what's the new one called? The James Webb. The James Webb. So the scientists have seen a brilliant burst of gamma rays by the James Webb telescope. And a gamma wave is a massive explosion that goes off when a star dies and either leaves behind a black hole or a neutron star. And they can only see it if the rays happen to be pointed right at Earth. And then uh, astronomers can see it as a gamma ray burst. Um, and the picture, I think, is just really cool. Like, if everyone if looks at it, because the nickname they have given it as well is The Boat, the brightest of all time. I like that. Which is kind of cool. So there is a picture. If you search The Boat, Gamma Ray Burst, you'll see a picture. And I think it just looks quite cool. Like the star in the middle and bursting out. Yeah. Great retort. I don't know what you're expecting. Yeah. I, yeah. It's cool, though. It is it cool. Is, yeah, it's very cool. And then the other thing is astronomers saw dust in space being pushed by a starlight for the very first time. Dust being pushed by starlight. That's very yes. cool. That is cool, though, isn't it? Like something that isn't physical is physical in a way because it's obviously it's yeah. all particles and and atoms and things like that. Um, and they're blown outward by the pressure of the light emanating from the stars yeah but that is all i've got for news have you got anything else jason i don't think so no i mean if you're not watching the guardians of the galaxy trailer it's difficult to speak about that i can watch it for you if you want um one sec so just having been forced to watch the guardians of the galaxy free holiday special trailer so we can talk about it Parts of it look okay and look cool. Why is Kevin Bacon in everything at the minute? Just in every advert ever. I was going to say, he's not in everything. He's in those EE adverts. <laughs> I swear he's in a takeaway advert as well. Oh, I don't know. I don't watch that much normal TV. But it, it looks cool. It, summer, summer looks a bit cheesy, but could be good ke- good cheesy. I like the fact that um, Star-Lord is going to get to meet Kevin Bacon all the time when he never shuts up about Kevin Bacon in the films. Yeah, but Kevin Bacon has been a running gag through the films, hasn't it? So, uh, yeah, I, I liked that. Um, I kind of wish they'd kept that as a surprise. Yeah. But if they're putting it in a trailer, maybe it's quite a big part of the And the I, show. Guess it, I guess it's a special presentation as well that's going to be on Disney Plus to get people watching it as well, get a big name in the trailer. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's so that's something I I mentioned a few weeks ago is that I, I think this new special presentation brand is going to be on more more Disney Plus originals, and so now we've got confirmation that this is a Marvel special presentation. Yeah, we'll have we'll we'll in, we'll interlude that into the Christmas episode. Yeah, so it it's been released on November the twenty fifth, which seems a bit early for a Christmas episode. Yeah, okay, might leave. Well, I guess it gives us time to release a Christmas episode, so we can see it as a benefit. Yeah, like we don't we don't have to watch it on twenty twenty first and get a podcast out straight away. Yeah, so it's a good thing. So, what confirmations is very miss uh, on the future of Guardians of the Galaxy? So, Kraglin is wearing Yondu's. Fin. Maybe he's mastered the his head fin. Yep. Yeah, hopefully. I love that arrow. I think that arrow's sick. I like the little clip where he's trying to do it at the end of um Guardians 2. Yeah. But he's trying to do it and then he starts like zipping into himself and that. Yeah, in it's in the credits, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, like, I like you undo. Uh, it you looks undo. like it looks like the main the main cast of this special is going to be Drax and Mantis. Yeah. But they are the funniest characters. They, they have and, and their dynamics great. I was going to say they do have a great dynamic. The, she doesn't understand that he's been an absolute arsehole dynamic. Yeah, and I don't think he understands that he's been an <laughs> arsehole. I I feel like is it is it like that school kid thing? Is he picking on her because he likes her? Well, no. It was uh, I can't remember what his race is called, but the same first one. They're completely immune to sarcasm and humor. Yeah. Um, so like, he's just, it must be what they do. They, they don't lie or anything like that. They just, yeah, true. Um, we get a look at Groot looking a bit beefier. Who's yeah. He's looking much more like, uh, Groot again. He's he's looking much more like guardians of the galaxy one Groot. Yeah. He's still got the, you know, baby Groot head. He's not. Yeah. So I think this just shows like, this is, Groot is an adult now, but he is not the same Groot, which I think you know has been confirmed by yeah. James Gunn before. He is not the same Groot that was in Volume One. That Groot died. It was his child, basically. Yeah, but this Groot is now an adult again, or almost an adult. I miss Baby Groot though. Baby Groot's brilliant. No, I miss Adult Groot. <laughs> <laughs> All he said was, "I am Groot." Adult Groot had so much more personality than Baby Groot. <laughs> Said so much more. Um, but yeah, no, it it looks all right. I will watch it. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be forced, even if I'm handcuffed at the time. Before we move on to talking about Werewolf by Night, uh, last weekend I saw Black Adam, which you haven't seen this yet, have you? I've not managed to see it yet, now. So, I just wanted to talk briefly about Black Adam and my thoughts on Black Adam. Um, I mean, basically, it's a okay film. It's how I'd describe it. It's not great. It has a lot of issues, but it is also not a terrible film. It was. I was pleasantly surprised it was better than I was expecting it to be. Okay. It does have issues, Mainly that, you know, the, the film is called Black Adam. And, you know, no no matter how many times he says in the film, I'm not a hero, 
you know that he is the main character of the film and he is meant to be the protagonist of the film. And it is very difficult to root for somebody who kills so many people so mercilessly. <laughs> like, the, the first time you see him in the present day, he he literally just decimates so many people and not not even quickly or painlessly, like, you know, full-on ripping off limbs. Well, he is meant to be the first person that the wizard chose but went bad. Yeah. I don't think you're meant to like him that much. But you are meant to root for him, aren't you? If this is a Black Adam film. Yeah. And I think that's that's for me. Like, Black Adam would have worked much better as the villain in a Shazam film than, than the main character of his own film. Maybe that's the way they're going to go, though, with the Black Adam films. Maybe he didn't want to root for him so that when they introduce him in Shazam... Because surely they will... I mean, it seems. It seems like they have to cross over Black Adam and Shazam at some point. Yeah, because they are. They have the exact same powers. They have the exact same powers. They're linked by the wizard. But, yeah, it, it, it does seem odd to me that. And, you know, the, the reason. The reason that they've given him his own film instead of bringing him into Shazam is. The Rock, basically. Yeah, because he's such a big name. Yeah. The Rock was cast to play Black Adam in 2014. Jesus. So okay. they they have been planning this film for a long, long time. You'd expect it to be better. And, yeah, it, it does... I, I think this film exists because Dwayne Johnson wanted to play Black Adam. They didn't have a Black Adam film in mind and then cast The Rock. The, this happened the other way around. The Rock wanted to play that character, so they made a Black Adam film. Show, shows what uh, money and f- fame do for you. I mean, Virak has a lot of influence. He is—he's like one of the last people who his name actually sells tickets. Yeah, like just him being in a property makes that pro- that property much more likely to be successful. Jumanji. Yeah, it's great because the rocks in it. I mean, no, it's a, it's a good film anyway. That I didn't have any hope for a Jumanji sequel, but uh, yeah. It was much better than it had any any right to be. Yeah, the sequels are actually really good. But yeah, like I said, it does. It th- th- there's a lot going on. The film itself is very disjointed. Like it thing, it feels like things just happen, and there's not much reason behind a lot of what's happening. It's just like, well, oh, yeah, but the thing that needs to happen next in the film is that this happens, so we'll go and do that. There's some great characters in the Justice Society of America. Pierce Brosnan is really good as um, Doctor Fate, basically Doctor Strange. He does have some of the same issues as Doctor Strange, in that like he's got pretty much limitless power and just keeps using the same couple of moves over and over again. Yeah. Which, you know, is, is something that I've always thought with Doctor Strange as well. Which is why I liked the musical note fight so much in Doctor Strange too, because you'd think, yeah, I have a bit of imagination with It's why with I liked these powers. the fight between Doctor Strange and Thanos in Infinity War. Yeah. Because that was great, like, he turned a black hole into butterflies, he used the uh, red ropes, I can't remember the actual name, but it's quite. It's in the yeah. comics quite a lot. Um, 
So I thought that was really good. And the musical note fight, because it's different and it's not just the same whip and slice. and Yeah, exactly. So there's the shield. Doctor Strange has the shield and the whip. Um, and Doctor Fate just always seems to... He also has a bit of a shield thing. And then he does... You know when, when Doctor Strange like makes loads of copies of himself? Yeah. Doctor Fate, that's his go-to move. He does that probably about four or five times through the course of the film. Right. Like, it is... They just do use the same moves over and over, and there's very little imagination there. When it could um, be a really good character. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll be interested to see what the future of Black Adam is in the DC universe. But, uh, yeah, it... It was just a fine film. It, you know, there, there were some good action sequences. I'll tell you something to watch out for when when you finally get round to watching this film. The use of slow motion is so egregious. Is it like, just all slow motion? Basically, like this is a uh, two-hour movie. If they if they took all the slow mo out. I bet they would have knocked half hour off that runtime. Like it is, it is ridiculous. I think it it was in it was in that fight scene that I was talking about when uh, Black Adam first comes to or first appears in the modern day. That I first noticed a lot of a lot of slow motion in this, and it's just like every time he does a cool looking move, it goes slow mo, so you can see it in detail how cool it is. And it's just over and over and over. They could just keep doing slow-mo, slow-mo, slow-mo. And once you've noticed it, you can't unnotice it. And then you, like, every action see like, it's not just, you know, we'll do a slow-motion sequence here, we'll do a slow-motion sequence there. It's just, like, a couple of seconds, but on pretty much every move that is performed, there's a little slow-motion. Like a Mortal Kombat finisher. <laughs> Yeah, it's just over and it like so much slow motion. Um the use of music I found really really distracting. You know on the first Suicide Squad film? Yeah. A, a a song that you like will just start playing and it has no relation to or bearing on what's yeah. actually happening on the screen. It was like that. It reminded me of that first Suicide Squad film so much like I did wonder if it was the same editors that did it, but so I don't know if you know the story. The, the, the editors that did the Suicide Squad aren't aren't a company that edits films. Usually, they're a trailer house. They edit trailers together. Okay. So what happened with that was, um, you know, they'd made they'd made the Suicide Squad. It was quite a serious film, serious gritty film, and. Then they released the trailer, that first trailer that with Bohemian Rhapsody playing behind it. And everyone loved it. And then DC panicked because the film was nothing like the trailer. So everyone was loving this trailer, wanting this film, and the film wasn't anything like that. So they gave the film to the trailer house that made that trailer and asked them to cut the film together, which is why that film is so all over the place because they're they're used to making trailers and that that's how black adam felt it was just all over the place it's a very interesting factoid that i like that oh there you go 
but no, so it, it's you know it's done pretty well at the box office. It's not done amazingly, but it's done pretty well. Uh, it's had quite a big drop off for its second week. Okay, which I think a lot of these superhero films do because the people that really want to see these films will go straight away, and the people that aren't bothered just won't see it. <laughs> they'll wait for it to be on. Yeah, they'll catch it on streaming or whatever. So, that's it for the news. Yes? Yes. I mean, unless anything's happened while we've been recording. (laughs) (laughs) If anything's happened while we've recorded, it was like, right, we've got a few more bits. Um, Now, what I wanted to go on for before we talk about the main event is just like quick, real top five Halloween scary movies. I know you're not much into horror. But for, like, Halloween scary movie themes, seeing as it's Halloween, I'm happy to go first. Okay, so is is this your number five? Uh, So this is my number five, yes. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have have a top five favourite Halloween films, I don't think. Uh, So you go through your top five and we'll discuss them. And then if there's any that I think you've missed then i'll i'll add those in afterwards yeah um so my number five is Coraline. you know what i was that was one i was expecting you to not say and i was gonna have to bring up well done for uh, remembering Coraline. how can that not be in your top five when that is the creepiest movie it is, that so is aimed creepy. at kids it is wrong that gave me nightmares but i think that makes it one of the top contenders for Halloween horror movie. Yeah. So that was directed by uh, by Henry Selick, wasn't it, that did um, Nightmare Before Christmas. He directed Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Um, and he's also done something new for... Is it on Netflix, when, uh, Wendell and Wild? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so Wendell and Wild, directed by Henry Selick, is available now on netflix and i watched a trailer for this a few weeks ago and i thought produced it looked by great jordan peele been produced by jordan peele yeah i do like jordan peele yeah he is he is one of the one of the foremost directors of our time i would say um but yeah it from the trailer it looked like it had the potential to become a new uh a new halloween classic Okay. Um, so, yeah, I might I might watch that tonight, actually. So, number four, this is not a common one. The Terrifier 2. Never heard of it. So, the reason that this is number four is purely because of how terrifying this clown is. I don't like clowns. And this makes me like him even less. If anyone's not seen it, if you just type in Terrifier 2 and go onto images, this clown is the freakiest thing ever. And it's just a creepy movie. <laughs> I mean, it. yeah, it looks like a, a really low budget, pulpy yeah, B-movie. That's, that's how it, it gives that feel. I've never heard of a Terrifier 1, never mind Terrifier 2. <laughs> they just went on. What do you mean they weren't one? Of course they were one. I'm just saying oh. they just they just started it. Oh, too. Okay, I I would have believed you. Like <laughs> I have no reason not to. Okay, in at number three, 
is The Shining. The Shining is a great film. Um, have you seen the sequel on uh, Doctor Sleep? No. Oh, you should watch Doctor Sleep. I'm just waiting to work up the courage. Having lived at The Shining Hotel, I don't want to relive it more. And it just reminds you. Um, yeah. but, I, yeah, I, mean, to, it, I need to be in the right mood for it. So so that that was the hotel... Uh, it's based. That It was the hotel that Stephen King was staying at, wasn't it, when he wrote it? And he based... He he based the the book on that location, but it's not it's not the hotel that they actually filmed it at. No, so yeah, so the the story behind it is Stephen King stayed in room two seventeen for one night, which is the famous room in the. Oh, did he only stay there for one night? I thought he'd stayed there a while while he was while he was writing. No, so what we were told, it might have been a few nights, but he stayed there for a short period, and. He just wrote the book in such a short time. He wrote the book in like three days because he based it on everything at the hotel, like that it was just all his inspiration. And that's what it's not the one that's in the film, though, now. Um, but the actual book is based on it. Yeah, but Doctor Sleep is a great film. And I feel like it's a film of two halves. Like, it is a great film in its own right if you've never watched The Shining. And then uh, the the second half of the film is like the sequel to The Shining that you've always wanted to see. Yeah. Um, I, I would highly recommend Doctor Sleep. I just need to be in the right frame of mind for that one. Um, but no, it's definitely free because it is a great film. Number two is the first Hocus Pocus. Now, I've not managed to watch the second yet, but you cannot knock the first Hocus Pocus as I've not a... watched the second one yet. I know two people who have, and neither have had particularly good things to say about it, unfortunately. Uh, they're probably just like, they don't like pumpkin spice latte. Um, so, yeah. No, the no, first... like a, a lot of people have a lot of, a lot of warm feeling towards the original, and... You know, the the basically the reaction that I've got is that it's just it's missing. I don't know. It's just missing some of the heart of the original. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I'm still going to watch it though. It's that um, the memories. What's what's it? Um, nostalgia. Yes, your favorite word. My favorite word, nostalgia. Um, and then the number one spot. And if anyone disagrees with me, I'll find you. I mean, it's going to be the nightmare before Christmas, isn't it? It is the nightmare before Christmas. Because so I don't predictable. Think, I don't <laughs> think there's a better Halloween film, even though it's got a lot of Christmas in it. I would say it's a Christmas film. It's a lot. Of, this, it's the Halloween themes in it, though, a lot of. Yeah. But it's, well, it's, it's Halloween. It's, it's the, Christmas for goths. It's Halloween characters reacting to the concept of Christmas. So I would say that makes it a Christmas film. So are you, are you saying that if Futurama was reacting to watching Friends, that would be a Friends episode? What are you talking about? <laughs> That's the same logic you just used. No, it's not. Because what I said made sense. I'd say it's a, ha- a Halloween film, but but they are my top five. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like you've missed some pretty big ones. You're going to be like Nightmare on Elm Street. No, no, because they're just horror films. Okay. 
I feel like Halloween films have a different vibe to just straight up horror films. They're the jump scare films that we were talking about earlier, which have never particularly interested me that much. But for a Halloween film, The Crow. The Crow, yeah. And like I said, I'm not I'm not big into into horror. I I'm not even sure you can call the crow the crow horror. Thriller. Maybe, yeah. But it's definitely it's that it's that dark, spooky vibe, and it also it takes place on Devil's Night, which I believe is meant to be the night before Halloween. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's that it's the spooky vibe to it that makes it a Halloween film and not just a straight up horror film. That things like Nightmare Before Christmas don't have. Even like you've not mentioned any of the Halloween films, but I would also call those horror films more than. A Halloweeny film. Just on obviously Nightmare Before Christmas, you're saying it's a Christmas film. I think people who think Die Hard is a Christmas film think the Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas film. Die Hard is a film set at Christmas. It's not a Christmassy film. And the Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween film set in Christmas. But yeah, you've got that the Halloween films are great. Crow's great. Saw, would they be Halloweeny? Do you think? No, I don't think so. They're just they're just gore for the sake of gore most of the time. <laughs> Henry Selick has uh, has weighed in on whether Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas film or a Halloween film. Okay, he says it's a Halloween film. Yay! <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so there when, you go. So it's a Halloween film. So you can all eat it. It's the number one Halloween film. End of. Something else that I think has a Halloweeny vibe. The Adams Family. Definitely, definitely, definitely Halloweeny. Yeah, I I couldn't say that the Adams Family would be one of my top five, because the Adams Family values is better. Yeah, Adams Family values would be would be up there. Um, in fact, does that start with Halloween? I I feel like there's Halloween in that. I think it mostly takes place around Thanksgiving though. Yeah. Because they they put on the big Thanksgiving play at the at the camp that they're sent to, yeah. But it's definitely definitely a Halloween film. Any more honourable mentions? Um, I think Interview with the Vampire. Okay, could be considered uh, a Halloweeny film. And then, if you're looking for for horror films, um, rather than you know the go to jump scary ones i'd i'd watch one of the classics like psycho and could we give an honorable mention to scary movie no <laughs> i feel like scary movies halloween i feel like scary movies shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's the good thing about it it's one of them shit movies that you enjoy watching because it's shit okay one last one go on rocky horror picture show definitely 100 percent it is it is great. I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. To be fair, um, yeah, but I think that's everything I've got. Cool. So, want to move on to the Man Avante, and that is Werewolf by Night, a Marvel special presentation. So, I'll let you go first this time. What did you think of Werewolf by Night? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Marvel doing something different. Like like we said earlier, Marvel has been known for just applying their style 
over everything and uh, and not letting anything be too different. They, you know, they stick close to the Marvel formula. So, yeah, I appreciated them trying something different. And I, I don't think it worked perfectly. But I would much rather... I would much rather them try and fail at doing something different than just keep giving us the same thing over and over. And th- this is that's why I enjoyed this so much. I enjoyed the, that spooky 40s, like, hammer yeah. horror vibe. Like drive-in horror, I, drive-in I, I, movie. I never thought, even if it is only, a you know, a, like a 45-minute short film, basically... Is it a short? Is it is it too long to be a short film? But too long to be a too long to be a short film, but too short to be a film. I think it could be classed as a short film. So short okay. film's normally about thirty minutes. It's forty five. We'll allow it. Okay, that is the judges' ruling. So yeah, even if it is just a you know a forty five minute medium to short film, um, I never thought Marvel would allow something to be put out in black and white. Because you would just wouldn't think it's marketable. I suppose they've got they've got to the stage now where people will will give it a go. If they'd done this early on, it might not have worked as well. Yeah, because I think everyone was a bit hesitant. What do you mean? Everyone was a bit hesitant of watching it on not knowing how they'd feel about it. From the moment I saw the trailer, I was I was down for this. But I don't think it would have worked if it were in colour. It just wouldn't have worked at all. It wouldn't have felt the same. It wouldn't have had the same vibe, would it? No, not at all. Which is why I kind of like at the end the color changed back. Yeah, like that was that was that was cool, and I think it took away that vibe, which was uh, it was cool because obviously it was basically over, so they removed the vibe. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't expecting Swamp Thing, uh, Man Thing. To be as big a part of this as he was, <laughs> it's great. Is it Swamp Thing or Man Thing? I don't know. Is it's it Man Thing, isn't it? So Swamp Thing's DC, Man Thing's Marvel. I mean, they're basically, you know, the same. Marvel and DC have always stolen ideas off each other. Um, I liked the Marvel intro change. Yeah. Instead of just leaving it as the Marvel and going to special president, I liked how they changed it and grade it out and just extra effects change music as well i thought i liked that because it kind of removed it from being standard marvel yeah yeah and i I really hope that they they play with their visual identity more using disney plus as a platform to do that like it makes a lot of sense to me to to use it as a place to experiment and then the things that really work and the things that, that strike a chord with people, you can then take that into the, the mainline MCU. I also liked the fact that the werewolf wasn't overly CGI at all, really. Like it, it I like how it looks like a 40s costume yeah. for a werewolf in a film. I, I saw people on Twitter reacting to this, saying that, they hated the werewolf because it just looked like a man in a costume. Like, yes, surely that is the point. <laughs> surely that is exactly what it is supposed to look like. Uh, some people just don't understand it. I think if it had been CGI, CGI that just would not have worked. Yeah. It had looked out of place. Um, 
I really like this um, like secret cabal of monster hunters that that they've got going on here. The Angry Scotsman. Well, yeah, like the, the, this the whole vibe. Like something I really like um, is when when the MCU shows that actually this kind of stuff has has existed forever and it didn't start with Captain America in the forties. Like, um, I, and this does feel like you know this is a secret organization that's been hunting vampires and Bigfoot and whatever else. Like, there's all sorts of things heads on the wall around there, isn't there? Yeah, and so this has just existed forever, and hunting these monsters, and so actually, I, I, I'm, I'm going back on myself now. Something I didn't say much positive about Black Adam, and I didn't hate it. Uh, something Black Adam does really well, I should mention, is it gives the feeling that superheroes have just always existed. Um, okay. So you know, Black Adam is from five thousand years ago. And it's just it's just knowledge that oh yeah this hero existed five thousand years ago and and when he comes back it's like oh that's the hero from five thousand years ago and it's just super superheroes have always existed and everybody knows that and so when a superhero turns up it's not like oh my god who what are you how is this possible like you get to skip past all that because it's just accepted because it's not like the first half an hour of the film yeah. And and so this starts to give me that feeling, like these things have always existed. Yeah, definitely. It's just normal. Yeah. Um. So I don't know much about the Bloodstones in the comic, but so you've got Elsa Bloodstone at the end of of this. Uh, do, like it it does look like. You know, she is now in charge of like what was there a name for this for this organization? There must have been, and I've forgotten it because it's a few weeks since I've watched it now. Um, I watched it today, and I'm not sure if I remember a name being yeah. said. Well, she is now in charge of of the organization, I guess, and I wonder if they'll make this a a yearly Halloween thing, like you know, bring Elsa Bloodstone back, and it's about a hunting a different kind of monster or I don't know. So this was directed by is it, um is it pronounced Michael Giacchino? I think it's I think it's pronounced Michael Giacchino. Um he is usually he's a composer. He's known as a composer. Okay. And he also obviously composed the music for Werewolf by Night, as you would expect. But this is his first proper directorial debut. He has he has dabbled in things before, like I think he's directed some uh, music videos. But this is his first di- proper directorial debut, and I thought just yeah, the, the the directing style I thought is was really great he's done a great job of mirroring the uh the old 40s aesthetic um and i really liked just the flashes of red in the black and white yeah yeah so you've got everything's black and white and then you've just got like the stone glowing red 
Yeah, and then flashes coming from it every now and again. Yeah. To be fair, he composed a lot of fairly big stuff. So he composed Doctor Strange, Rogue One, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Coco. Yeah, he is he is a well-known movie composer. But no, he did. He's he's done a really good job. Um, to be honest, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think one of my favourite parts was the like mummified <laughs> the mummified body <laughs> in the coffin, the, mu- the mummified answer phone, and you the the guy, you know, basically like Igor or whatever little henchman, winding the coffin up. Um and uh, yeah, he's like he's like a fairground animatronic, delivering his little his little speech. Oh no, I, I enjoyed that, and everyone's shocked face, and then he's like, "No, he's just a robot." Yeah, I think that one of one of my favourite parts of the uh, of the show. I liked the crazy old lady, and you you recognise her, don't you? Do I? Do you not? Should I? We were talking about Fraser a couple of episodes ago. She was his agent. I didn't realise that. Yeah, as as soon as I saw her, that's all I could think. That's uh, yeah, that's what that's what I recognised her from. I think she's been in quite a lot. I really don't remember the agent. You know? Do you not? She's only in a few episodes. Like she doesn't appear in a lot. Well, I do like Fraser. But like, I I feel like she's one of those characters that will like pop up once or twice a series. Like Joey's agent in Friends. Estelle just pops up every now and again. Yeah, she's probably a bigger part of Fraser than Estelle is of Friends, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, she she was great. Uh, what what did you think of, uh, of Man-Thing? I liked Man-Thing. I thought it was cool, and I liked the... the <laughs> like, when she calls him his name and he's like, oh... Yeah, I thought yeah, that I, was quite cool. Yeah, it was a great way of of humanizing him, but and it was a good uh, rug pull as well. Like you know, this episode or this show is called Werewolf by Night, so I can't have been the only person assuming that that's what they're hunting. No, I thought they were hunting a werewolf. Um, and then when you realize that actually, yeah, they're hunting. I think that were a re- I think it were a really good spin. There was. There was a great moment in whether in the tomb, and they just sat like sat on the floor talking in the cage. No, no, in the tomb with, with all the coffins of. Uh, oh his, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of her, her ancestors. Um. The guy before he sits on the floor just does, does a little circle, you know, like. <laughs> Before dogs sit on the floor, they <laughs> yeah. just walk around in a little... He, he does that before he sits down, which I thought was... Uh, nice little hint. Yeah, a great little nod, yeah. Um, but that, that was just a, a, a nice scene. Like, it was good to to just stop in the chaos, just stop and have a conversation for a minute. Yeah, because like, as soon as they said go on the thing, it was all very chaotic. Yeah. Like you, you couldn't blink or you'd miss what had happened. Yeah, so just to to be able to take five minutes out, um, and get to know these characters a bit. Yeah, 
was great. And, you know, obviously it's also them getting to know each other and it, it's only a short a short scene, like I said, it's a few minutes, but... It's it, just a great touch. It's. I feel like it establishes the beginnings of a friendship there. And uh, it is when they learn that they can probably trust each other. Yeah. And because nobody else there is can be trusted. Like they're meant to they're meant to be hunting whatever creature they you know, they've been sent out we we find out it's man thing obviously, but they're meant to be hunting a creature. They don't know what they're hunting. Um but most of them just immediately try and kill each other and take out a competition. It's like I automatically win, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't care about the monster. They were just like, right, let's go. Yeah, they really didn't. None of like I, I don't know if that's like rules wise. Does it would it be better if they had a rule that was like, No, you're not allowed to kill each other because Well no, if she said she were like she can enter just like everyone else, but like everyone else she's fair game. Yeah, yeah. So they say that like they just it's normal that they kill each other. Yeah, but like I say, it seems crazy. Like, why would you bother going after this monster that can kill you by putting its hand on your head? Which again, I thought that was that that looked great. Like it, it looked it looked painful. <laughs> it uh, did, like it just bulging, and then like when when he kills uh, who you called the angry Scotsman. <laughs> like when he kills him earlier, he just like comes out of the bushes, sticks his hand on his head, and it just looks like. It looks like molten lava. Just like it looks out. like he's squick, squishing a tomato. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder what. I, I feel like Man Thing they must have more plans for going yeah. forward. Well, I, I have no idea where. Ending. Yeah, I have no idea where he could fit. I also don't know. Obviously, this is made to look like an older film. I don't know if that's when it's meant to be set or if it's meant to be set now. Is there anything that Well, gives the scene that away? at the end the scene at the end makes me think it's set about now. Cause it looks like it just looks very modern looking. What, what about it looks modern? Just like what he's wearing and that sort of thing. Okay. So I'm pretty sure he's wearing like a hoodie. Um I I don't know. I is it not like a, a cloak? From from this crazy order of monster hunters. I just I, I got a very modern feel from it at the end. Like okay. a modern a modern day feel. Is that just because it went to colour? Maybe. But maybe that's why they did it. Just so you know. This yeah. is now. That was a great reference as well, uh somewhere over the rainbow playing. Yeah. As it went into colour. Yep. I liked that. And I was like, is this Dorothy? Uh, so we should talk about the werewolf transformation itself. Okay. Which I both liked and was disappointed by at the same time. Like one of the things that I always look out for in a werewolf film is the transformation. I love a, a good werewolf transformation where it looks like, you know, the body is twisting and contorting and changing from one being into another and like, that I, I I love a like a really disgusting, painful looking werewolf transformation. I feel like a really good example of a werewolf transition is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I think you're on drugs. 
Why his his bones are cracking, and you literally see him deform into this creature, and then his face. I mean, it doesn't look like a werewolf, though, does it? It just looks like a big. It looks like a weasel off of Suicide Squad. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Like the transition part, ignoring no, the end product. I mean, the the gold standard is American Werewolf in London. I've not I've not seen it. Have you not? <laughs> no. Well, you should watch American Werewolf in London. Um, but in fact, so that is the film. Uh, Michael Jackson saw that film and decided that he wanted to turn into a werewolf, and that's when he decided to do Thriller. Like, Thriller exists because wow. he watched that film and wanted to be a <laughs> werewolf. So the werewolf transformation in this, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see properly, but I also thought it was very powerful just to see her reaction. Yeah. And, like, just that slow zooming in on her face, looking more and more horrified and terrified. It gave it the feel of one of those like driving movie horrors. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I kind of like that we didn't get the full transformation. Yeah, like I said, I did like, and and you see, you just see his shadow contorting around in the background. So you can kind of, you know, it is one of those things that some sometimes it's better to leave these things to the imagination. Yeah, definitely. Because it will look so much better in your imagination than they could ever do on screen. Um, I did hear a rumour that one of the reasons, like, that this film was... Oh, sorry, I keep calling it a film, and I keep calling it a series, and this, it's neither. This special production. This, this show was meant to have much more werewolf in it, but okay. apparently the costume was just that uncomfortable that in the end they couldn't do that much, which is why it ended up being centred around Man-Thing. Okay. It just has a bit of werewolf at the end. But I, I think it worked. I do. I think it works that way. But uh, yeah, there there is disappointingly little werewolf for something called werewolf by night. There's very little night. I was also kind of expecting Moon Knight to show up in this. I don't know if anyone else was <laughs> or if it was just me. Um, but I think werewolf by night was originally a Moon Knight villain, I believe, in the comics, or. Or was it the other way around? I think was Moon Knight's first appearance was in an issue of Werewolf by Night. I think so. That's why I was maybe I was I was expecting that he would, and especially because we've just had the Moon Knight show, and then uh, this was on for, for Halloween. I thought, oh, they're doing that so that Moon Knight can appear. It would have been cool, but so, would it would it have no, taken stuff away? So that's something that I'd I'd kind of decided in my head was going to happen way before we saw the trailer for this. So, yeah, once you see the trailer, it makes sense for actually, no, it's not going to fit the aesthetic. Yeah. Um, But I was still kind of in the back of my mind hoping he'd show up, whether it made any sense or not. (laughs) Just Stephen Grant walking past in the background. Um, so, so after the transformation, the bit of werewolf action that we do actually get, I enjoyed the werewolf action. Is yeah, like it, it is properly brutal as well. Like what? I, I don't know what rating this show has, but I don't think it's particularly something that you want to be showing your kids. Is there an exploding head warning? It's oh, it's so. I'm uh, just looking on Disney Plus. It's rated sixteen plus. 
That makes sense. Which yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, so we we do have again. It's another it's another great shot. It's another great bit of uh, direction by Iachino. Is as the doors closing, you know, the, the doors slowly lowering, and you can just see. You can just see bright light on the other side of the door, and but it's slowly getting less and less and less. Uh, and the werewolf working his way down the corridor, taking out everybody in his path. You get the blood yeah. splatters on the camera, which I'm not always a fan of. It was used well in this. It's a bit fourth wall breaking, but I thought you've kind of already got that with the 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 red glowing gem. It's already muddy in that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the blood splatters on the camera, I didn't mind too much. Um, I think another powerful shot is when he jumps on top of her, and then it just like freezes, and then th- those few moments there are quite powerful because obviously he did the whole smelling a thing beforehand, which was a bit weird, but made sense. Yeah, I I, I quite liked that. <laughs> it was just like come here. Like I, I need to remember you, and yeah, it was a little bit creepy, but yeah. And uh, you, you get one last uh, one. Well, in fact, no, it's not a last. <laughs> you, you, you get one more bit of uh, of Man Thing showing up to save the day. Uh, he he. She's just like he's over there. Sets uh, sets Fraser's agent on fire. Throws her at the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, like it really rolls brutal, out, isn't it? It like, is. It is the head just rolling out. I feel like it would have been better if it was hit her head. Like as if thrown her, he just ripped her head off. Oh, yeah, but she's she's completely like burnt. She looks like she were in Pompeii or something. <laughs> um, and then we already spoke about earlier, once that Elsa she gets the gem, then all of a sudden colour. Everything everything starts to, to bleed in colour. But the colour's still, I don't know, it's, it's still not vivid colour. It's still I think slightly it, I think washed it's, out. I think it's focused vivid. Like, it's vivid on, like, just her coat. Yeah. And then all around, it's, like, a bit, like, brushed over, a bit dimmed. Yeah, maybe. Um, But then the end seems, like, just seems, like, full colour to me. I don't know. I, it, it's still, you know, if you watch if you watch an older film and it's just, you know, it's in colour, but it's not, it's not as vivid as... yeah. As it could be, that's kind of how it looked like. It's just a slightly reduced color palette. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'm I'm glad that we get this little bit of color at the end, just so that you get to see uh, Man Thing properly, which might be yeah. the whole reason they did it. Yeah, I no, keep maybe... thinking like I was like Cthulhu, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, with the tendrils. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, he does kind of look like that. And I was like, why is Cthulhu in there? And I was like, oh, no, it's Swampy Man. So apparently in the comics, Swamp Thing is the guardian of the nexus of realities, where you can cross from one reality to another. Okay. So, you know, that could that could be a really good way to use him in the future, especially as yeah. they're leaning more into multiverse these days. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they've obviously got bigger multiverse plans coming up with the... Well, it's the multi. We're Secret in the multiverse Wars. saga now, aren't we? We are, yeah. So we obviously had the Infinity Saga. Now we've got the multiverse saga. Yeah. Um, but now, so on a whole, looking at the whole 
short film show movie yeah. long short thing on a scale of one to ten where would you put it all things considered um seven okay i was thinking like 7.4 7.4 7. 4. yeah that's very specific i just got a very 7.4 feeling from it okay you go 7.4 then <laughs> what 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 gave it that extra point four? Or did some did you have it on an eight and something lost it a point six? <laughs> I think it was like the middle craziness could have been a little bit longer. Like it's already forty five minutes. It won't be an issue if it were fifteen minutes longer, just for a bit more of that hunting bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's what lost the point six. Yeah, and like I understand this isn't a movie, but you know, I, I I could have stood this for an hour and a half at it. Um, but may, maybe it would have started to feel dragged on if they had. Yeah, I so, think just the 15 minutes in, in the hunting bit, it just needed more. Because as soon as, as soon as they were out, it would kind of like, rah. Yeah, yeah, it moves at quite a rapid pace, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, so any final points on Werewolf by Night? No. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. So obviously we move on to the last segment of the podcast and we're just going to insert the theme tune here. Da, 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 da. This segment is the recommendations. There you go. Okay, so Jason, what have you been watching and playing or both or neither or... I've not been playing a lot. I've started playing a mobile game called Marvel Snap. Um, okay. It's one of those games that is annoyingly addictive, and I feel like I'm going to be playing it way too much and having to charge my phone like three times a day because I'm killing the battery for the next couple of weeks, and then I'll never play it again. And One, one of those things that you don't like playing, but you can't stop playing. Yeah. Like, I, 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 know, it's, I know it's nonsense, <laughs> but, you know... Like, oh, I've got a free five minutes. I'll do a couple of rounds on Marvel Snap. Um, so, you know, I, I'm i not sure if that's a recommendation. I just... <laughs> Would you recommend it? I mean, you know, it's kept me entertained, I guess. But I just, like, I, I get like this with mobile games, um, you know, massively, uh, massively addicted for a couple of weeks and then never play it again. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what mobile games... Oh, do you know what I mean? Do you yeah. remember like Flappy Bird? How long were that around for? <laughs> yeah. And then, and it was so everyone were addicted to it. The, the only other thing I've been playing is I bought the uh, Disney Classics remake for the PlayStation 4. Okay. So it's the old like Mega Drive, uh, Lion King, Aladdin, and that Jungle Lion Book King games. That Lion so hard. It's, a, it's my favorite of the three. Um, I've, I've just. So I've started playing the Jungle Book one, which is one I never played at the time. Uh, but the others, I, I know really well. Um, I played them a lot as a kid. I hope that in it, because I think that the Jungle Book one's come in through an update that wasn't on it originally. So I hope that they keep expanding it through updates because I'd love them to add the Mega Drive Toy Story game. That was brilliant. Oh, God. With the, uh, with the yo-yo? Yeah. Oh, oh, that'd be great. Any TV so, recommendations? Yeah, a couple. So 
on Netflix, I would recommend uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Okay, I've seen that today. I haven't watched it. A new anthology series. So uh, we watched one episode a couple of nights ago. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to watching more. Um, The other recommendation I've got is called Devil's Hour. Okay. And it's a new show on Amazon Prime. It's starring Peter Capaldi. And so me and my wife yesterday thought, oh, that looks interesting. New, new program with Peter Capaldi. Let's watch an episode. And we ended up staying up till half one in the morning to watch all six episodes, which is, you know, a level of binging that we've not done for a long time. It was that good. Yeah. Like we were just, we were completely engrossed by it. We watched the whole thing in one night. So I would highly recommend Devil's Hour. Cool. Anything else? Any other recommendations? No, that's me for this week. So my so what I've been playing is all I've been playing over the past week or so is um Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, as it is now out. Um not gonna go into too much detail, but I would recommend it. Um and that's literally all I've been playing, really, which is unusual for me because I tend to run a couple of games at one time just to try and get through the abundance of games that come through. Um, in terms of like TV, I think what I'm going to recommend is it's Peripherals. It's on Amazon Prime. It looks very good, yeah. I wouldn't mind There's giving that a go. There's two episodes out and it is fantastic. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz plays a great character um, and just the story behind it is actually really interesting. Like I'm, I hate watching episodes week by week when they're coming out i'd prefer to do a binge um, and just be able to watch them um but it's one of there where i'm like i'm waiting for it i'm waiting for like the next episode and i think the third one might have just come out actually yeah so i've well, got for, that one to watch for something like that because i know so this is from the creators of westworld which itself is a mindfuck yeah and it's with, great. with programs like that I find it can be useful to have that week's break between them because then I, I find myself just thinking about it. I'm yeah. walking to work, I'm, I'm thinking what things mean and, and just digesting it and letting things sink in before the next episode, which you don't get that when you binge. Yeah. Um, and it's one of them where it keeps you guessing and then next week comes in and you're like, oh my God, like, I get it. Um, I think I just do prefer binging because I get to the point where I'm like, what? What's So what's happened here and where's that come from and what does this mean? I can't, I want it. I want the answer now. Uh, yeah. But no, it is a great show. Have you finished House of the Dragon yet? I haven't. I'm on the last episode. Okay. So we need to talk I about House of the Dragon I was getting my Skybox fixed. Okay. Uh, but now that's all from me today. Okay. I think that's the episode then. Is that the episode already? Time flies when you're having fun. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can email notnpod at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at News of the Nerd. Thank you from me. Goodbye, everyone. And thank you from him, apparently. I was, I was waiting for you to yeah. say, and thank you from me. I'm not saying thank you. I'm just saying bye. Okay. Bye, guys. <laughs> Get fucked. Podcast's over.
for season four of The Witcher, Liam Hemsworth is taking over the role of Geralt as... Uh, of, for season four of The Witcher, Liam Hemsworth... Hems... Fucking Hemsworth. <laughs> Go on, one more time, you can do it. Maybe that's what Henry Cavill's doing in Australia. Just like, no, no, that's straight. That was Dwayne wait. Johnson in Australia. Uh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Anyway, maybe that was Dwayne Johnson in America. Australia. Like, for fuck's sake. Oh, just give <laughs> one more time. Maybe that was Jane Dwayne. 